0: Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and welcome to the program today. It's a red-letter day in Matthew 24. We've seen Jesus was extremely clear when he pointed to the events that dominate this intensely brief period of time. But he also was clear the birth pains of the first three and a half years of Daniel's 70th week— we'll see around the world an exceptional time of apocalyptic evangelism, a time of great declaration. That's what we're going to talk about today. The gospel going forth like never before as a testimony to all the nations, and then the Lord says, the end will come. Those clear signs will come to those who have a rich history with God. Those who are filled with uh, their lamps, filled with oil, the oil of the Holy Spirit for the journey to the end. The saints will be undergoing a dynamic transition in the fullness that will take them far beyond what they could hope, dream, or desire. In ministry and, yes, in anointing of the Holy Spirit. This will also be a time when transgressions will reach their fullness. When you think sin in the earth can get no worse... Listen, it will. At the same time, the forerunner, the prophetic heart, and the mind will not be overwhelmed or taken by surprise. Many will be offended. False prophets will emerge, lawlessness, sin, a great falling away from any moral restraint at all levels of society, and of course, lies and deception— but but here's the promise from Christ himself. He who endures to the end will be saved. You know, we're coming to a, a turning point in history. The church is long expected. Although we've made many different theories and embraced them out of how that will all play out, there aren't too many these days that believe the earth and its residents can much longer tolerate its self-indulgent self-destruction. Jesus says he's going to return. That's an absolute. But for the church, that's a church without spot or wrinkle, a people with a a clear understanding of what's to come. We're seemingly a bit distanced from that glorious state, but be sure the Lord has also been swift to say what he will do. He will do quickly. But before he does, there's a coming time of great desolation, and this verse I'm about to read is the, uh, the terminal event that begins the Great Tribulation and ends with the return of Christ. Matthew twenty four fifteen. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then here's a timing indicator, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who's on the housetop not go down and take what is in his house. And let the one who's in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, that's an exclamation mark in Scripture. And alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then, for then there will be great tribulation, such has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. Before we look at this terminal event in detail, I want, to join, I want to join with those young disciples who ignited this narrative from Jesus in the first place with the question, when will these things take place and what will be the sign your coming? I want to join with a question of my own and perhaps yours also. Why are you coming? And why? Why must the church be here? The short answer is the divine mandate to the church, set in place from, from its very beginning two thousand years ago. Some of the last words of the Lord before He was lifted up, Acts one eight, "You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and." to the end of the earth. The command from Jesus was and still is go to the Jew first. Here's Paul, Romans 1:16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, why why the Jew first? Well, I believe the Bible gives us some very specific reasons. And for that, we must go to Hosea chapter 5, Old Testament verses from a, a rather inconspicuous prophet that have been hidden in plain sight for centuries. One of those mysteries the Holy Spirit intended to be revealed the closer we come to the end of the age. The Spirit of the Father said something very important that we must get our heads around But perhaps more, no, really more importantly, our hearts around the brokenness of the Father's heart for his covenant people. God gave them up. Meditate on that for a while. God gave up his people. The the uncreated God of the universe turned his face and returned to his place. Not a permanent decision on his part. But nevertheless, it's a costly one for his chosen people. Listen carefully to God's words in Hosea chapter 5. God said, I, even I, will tear them and go away. I will take them away and no one shall rescue. I will return again to my place till until they acknowledge their offense. Now, now their offense, the prophet Micah tells us, is that they, they struck the judge of Israel on the cheek. In other, in other words, in short, they crucified him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. Now, here Hosea goes on. Then they will seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. And I might add, during the time of Jacob's trouble, that coming time of great desolation I mentioned a few minutes ago. Why? The church must be awakened to the long resistance by Israel of their millennial mandate, through which the rule and reign of Messiah Yeshua, God's kingdom, will finally come to the earth. Without that that great awakening, yes, there's yet another great awakening coming, when the church will clearly know and respond to its role as prophet, priest, intercessor, and midwife in the great travail preceding his return. It's this principle of travail that it's been all but lost to the church, and it's indispensable role in relation to the conclusion of the age before we anxiously wait on the revelation of the antichrist and a sudden rapture the heavens the heavens of god are awaiting the church and whether we know it or not the church is waiting on god to get its divine attention and to ultimately bring her to the finish line do you see events coming into place that are divinely mandated to bring us to travail? Begin our midwife duties to bring about the successful birthing of the kingdom of God on the earth? So, what about the word travail? We need to explore that a little bit. In the Hebrew, this is what it means it means to bring forth, it alludes to childbirth, to beget to cause or help to bring forth, to be born. And it's the same in the Greek, a midwife of Gentiles to assist in the hard, difficult labor of bringing forth God's kingdom to the millennial earth. Wow, what a call, what a responsibility mandate. Folks, that's a glory beyond words. In Revelation 12, We see a great transition in the heavens must take place in order for this final tribulation, that time of great desolation to come. It's that particular time we're addressing in Matthew 24. Jesus is clear about this time. It's the revelation of the mystery of iniquity and the incarnation of the man of sin, the Antichrist, that awaits the return of Christ Jesus. And that final mystery takes place when the angel Michael casts the Satan to the earth to begin the great tribulation. Let's see this uh, through the words of Paul first in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll start at verse 3. Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day, what day? The day of the Lord. That day will not come unless the rebellion comes first And the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called god of object or worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now. So that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness, that's the mystery of iniquity, sin, is already at work. Only he who now restrains, he who now resists being exposed, will do so until he's taken out of the way. Who is taken out of the way? The Satan. He's the one that's resisting. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Satan has a vested interest in not being exposed. First of all, he's a deceiver, knowing he has a short time. Last thing, he wants us to be cast from his place in the heavens where where he accuses believers night and day and take up a residence a man on the earth an incarnation the antichrist knowing well his tenure is shortly coming to an abrupt end and then there there are these words from the apostle john in the book of revelation chapter 12 we'll read revelation 12:10 Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they, that's the church, the body of Christ, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and did not love their lives to the death. Therefore, rege- rejoice, O heavens, and, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the for the devil has come down to you having great wrath. Why? Because he knows he has a short time. It's the wrath of Satan manifested in the Antichrist that spills the violence, the persecution, yes, the martyrdom on the Jew first, and then the body of Christ. So what what might we say here or infer is that there is yet another great transition when the church in travail, midwifing, aiding and birthing, will cry out to God just like Daniel did when he recognized the time of the Babylonian captivity was up and it was time for the people of God to return to the land. Even so, as the church travails, It'll be time for the Son of God to return to the land, to rule and reign over the nations for a thousand years. It's the revelation of the mystery of iniquity. It's the the full revelation of the Antichrist when, when Satan is cast to the earth, incarnated into the man, then holds sway on the earth for those final three and a half years, And we believe Michael's victory over Satan in the heavens will not take place without the church's travail. Heavenly groaning for the necessary covenant redemption of Israel. Without the salvation of all Israel, there can be no return of Christ, no resurrection of the church, and and no resurrection of Israel. Jesus doesn't just appear. He doesn't just show up without these preceding events taking place. If you read your Bible, you'll see that. The critical musts we've been showing uh, in many previous episodes. Satan knows the word of God stands or falls on the divine completion of these heavenly events. And that's why his primary focus is to exterminate not only the travailing church, but in particular the Jew who is appointed to salvation in that day and millennial leadership over the nations in the public vindication of his everlasting covenant. So with this clear knowledge of the mandate to the travailing church, we'll be able to see exactly what awaits following the abomination of desolation Jesus speaks clearly about in Matthew 24, that that terminal event that brings this age to an end. And that's, that's where we're going to pick up in our next episode. Everybody still with me may want to listen to this more than once. I suggest you do because our, our next episode, we're going back to Matthew 24 to see exactly what we can expect in those final three and a half years of this great end time drama. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Jesus, who's at your right hand, and and Holy Spirit, who dwells in each one of us, who calls Jesus Savior and Lord. What an expectancy, Father. What a glory that you would commission your church in the most dynamic role imaginable at the end of this age. Father, we ask you to prepare our hearts in this season like never before, May you help us rid ourselves of the junk in our lives that that create interference with the clear voice of the Spirit. In your grace, may may we set our faces like flint for your glorious return. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm Bill Nordstrom. God bless each and every one of you.